0: It may come as a surprise to bankers that they're seen by some as high emitters of climate-altering carbon. Our guest this week is Emily Kreps, Global Director for Capital Markets at CDP Worldwide. She's one of those who shares that view and she'll make the case as to why and also what banks can do about it. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the Managing Editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Focusing on environmental, social, and governance issues came to prominence in the investing world in the early 2000s, and now ESG, as it's known for short, is a topic with growing stature in banking as well. Our guest on the Banking Strategies podcast this week is Emily Kreps, Global Director for Capital Markets at CDP Worldwide. She's here to talk about carbon and climate and how banks should be thinking about their impact on both. Emily, we appreciate you joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Emily, let's start with a little background on CDP Worldwide, what your organization is, the sort of work you do, and on whose behalf you do that work.
1: We started 20 years ago in the UK to mobilize investors. And use their authority to compel companies to disclose information around environmental issues, particularly at the time around carbon emissions. So we run a global environmental reporting process where at the request of, of close to 600 investors in financial institutions, we ask companies to disclose around climate change, water security, and soft commodity-driven uh, deforestation. Increasingly, we're seeing banks, insurance companies, and other players in the capital markets also become requesting authorities and use this information to manage the portfolios and potential environmental risk that they see coming.
0: So you're recently out with a report called The Time to Green Finance that's focused on financial services globally. This is the first time you've dedicated a full report to the financial industry and its climate impacts. Why did you think it was important to concentrate on finance and what goes into the yardstick? that you're using to measure the industry's impacts?
1: In 2018, CDP redesigned our questionnaire for all respondents, all responding companies to focus on alignment with the TCFD, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. At the time, we also introduced sector-specific questionnaires. And because we're a nonprofit with constrained resources, we started with the high-emitting sectors, uh, the traditional oil and gas extractives, metals and mining and such, And each year for 2018 and 2019 and 2020, we added additional industries. 2020 was the first year that we added financial services with an industry-specific questionnaire. Now, why this is important is because we were asking companies, particularly financial institutions, not to look at their operational activities, but to look at their business activities. So to look through the operations of their company to say, what are you enabling to be financed based on the business activities in which you're engaging? And we're seeing that this is becoming a really important theme, both from a regulatory perspective, but also from uh, from a business and client perspective.
0: So one of the report's most prominent conclusions is that the financial services industry should be considered a high-emitting sector of the economy. I'm not sure the financials think of themselves that way, you know, being in the company of the energy producers, the miners, the cattle raisers, other folks that you mentioned earlier. So how did you get to the conclusion that finance belongs among the high emitters?
1: Well, I think the easiest parallel is probably the auto industry. When you start thinking about the auto industry, you have scope one and scope two emissions, which go to the energy-associated emissions and the emissions with producing the product. But scope three for the auto industry is particularly high, where we talk about use of sold product. And that's where it's the emissions generated from the cars driving that really start to increase that, that exposure. If we draw that parallel over to the finance industry, financial institutions are in a position of being providers of capital. And as those providers of capital, they're enabling their clients to engage in certain activities. Now, those certain activities may be building a new energy plant. And then the question is, is that energy plant a solar plant or a coal plant? And that would greatly impact the emissions that would be assigned to that financial institution. So I guess the easiest thing to do, really, as financial institutions start to think about this, is to equate themselves to the auto industry in that emissions calculation.
0: So for banks, lending is obviously a core component of their business, providing capital. And it's a highly competitive business in the U.S. and getting even more so with all the fintechs piling in. In that kind of competitive environment, how much can any banking institution influence the terms for providing capital? And why would any of them want to go down the road that's so potentially risky to their business?
1: So there are kind of two components to this. One is on the regulatory side, we see all indications that many of the central banks are moving towards looking at the climate finance component of their monetary systems. And so that will impact banks and their ability to do business in the longer term. But on the customer side, these customers that have spent a fair amount of time looking to transition their companies to fitting into a more appropriate environmental operating model, they want their banks, they want their service providers to be aligned with their values and to help them on that transition. So what we're seeing is a fair amount of competition among banks, to be banking those companies that are really at the forefront of managing this transition. So rather than saying that by engaging in certain practices, banks may lose out, I would argue that it is a significant business opportunity. And if anything, their customers, both on the corporate side, but on the retail side as well, are increasingly looking for their service providers to align with the values or the mainstream um, systemic issues that we're seeing in society.
0: The report does discuss these opportunities to some degree that you, you just referenced. Can you tell us more about what these opportunities are and, and how banks and credit unions might specifically be able to realize them?
1: We've seen from a bond issuance perspective, a significant rise in the green bonds where the use of proceeds is going directly to fund sustainable business models, whether that be on new energy investments or new transportation investments, development, and food systems and such, I would anticipate that that really continues to grow. The next is on the lending side. Again, as banks start to look at their portfolio of clients and where they're uh, willing to direct more capital, And at preferential terms, we've started to see lending facilities that really try to emphasize the end use of proceeds and how that is going to impact the climate transition on a positive way. The third is we've seen a great interest in supply chain finance. In the real world economy side, a number of major companies have come to CDP and to some of the banks and said, how do we implement a supply chain financing facility for our suppliers because they are doing the right thing when it comes to a transition and helping us as part of our value chain really commit to that transition. So I think that presents a real opportunity as, as banks and credit unions think about supply chain finance. And then we start to see some of the cutting edge products in green mortgages. And as we think about the chronic physical risks and how those can be addressed or mitigated with green mortgage portfolios, I would anticipate we continue to see some fundamental opportunities for uh, development of new financial products. The one caveat I would put to that is that as financial institutions develop these new products, there will be added scrutiny in terms of is this simply a greenwashing marketing technique or is this truly going to finance that transition to a low carbon economy?
0: We've been talking about impacts. We just talked a little bit about opportunities. There's also climate-related risks, right? So what do you see as the major climate risks facing financial institutions, be it in their operations or in their financing more broadly? And if you could, in your answer, maybe zero in on the risks that might be specifically related to U.S. banks and credit unions.
1: I put risks in three big categories, and this is aligned with the TCFD, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. First, you have acute physical risks. Examples of that are massive hurricanes, floods, the wildfires and such. And so as banks are looking to to lend money or to make investments, understanding what the underlying collateral may look like based on and what the risk to that collateral may look like based on some of the acute physical risks that are prevalent in a specific geography is important. The second would be chronic physical risks. And this is something more akin to droughts or to flooding or other types of seasonally available physical risks that are generally predictable, but do need to be factored into the long-term assessment of particularly collateral value or loan payment terms. The third is on the transition risk side. So are there regulatory or legal risks that are going to be put on top of a borrower or a customer Because of their business activities, are they operating in a certain way or in a certain jurisdiction that will potentially expose them to regulatory fines or other business critical issues that could put the value of the loan at risk for the bank? The last example I'll give, and and this is always my favorite one when it comes to U.S. banks, is mortgages. So I remember a few years ago having a conversation with a bank who said, I don't see climate risk as material in our investment time horizon. And I said, well, are you underwriting mortgages in South Florida? And they said, well, absolutely. I said, well, you're underwriting a 30-year mortgage in an area that is susceptible to rising sea levels. And they said, but we get it off our books in three years. And I said, but how is that not financial fraud if you are simply risk transferring, knowing that in 30 years there may be an impact to the value of that mortgage? So I think those are all the types of things that I would expect U.S. banks and credit unions to be grappling with.
0: One of the more surprising findings that I saw in the Time to Green Finance report is that half of the financial institutions that took part in your research, they don't do any analysis at all on how their portfolio, be it it a a lending portfolio or an investment portfolio, how that portfolio impacts the climate and what the risks are. So why do you think this is not a regular thing on their to-do list? Could it be like your Florida mortgage example that you just gave? Could it be that the relatively long time frame for climate change is outside their planning horizons?
1: Yes, I think in some cases, the relatively long planning horizon has meant that it hasn't been a focus of the risk management function within the banks and credit unions in the most recent years. The second is this is truly a cutting edge area of evolution for the environmental space in the sense that there haven't been regulations to date where we've seen either central banks or other financial regulatory authorities requiring this of financial institutions or having it impact the tier one capital ratios and such as well. I think that may change. The other thing is that we have seen in the past two years the formulation of something called PCAF, which is the Partnership Carbon Accounting Financials, which is an accounting standard for financial institutions to use to really quantify this environmental exposure based on the lending or investment portfolios. So this is really a burgeoning area, but I have a feeling that it is going to accelerate very quickly. So the banks that are reporting on these portfolio analyses are certainly at the cutting edge, but we also recognize it's really the beginning of a relatively long journey.
0: You talk about some of these financial institutions that are early, that are moving with with some purpose on climate risk. The report says that some have low carbon transition plans and that they're working to align their portfolios with those plans. So what do those plans look like and and what sorts of things are they doing in pursuit of the portfolio alignment that other banks might be able to learn from?
1: Some banks are setting science-based targets, which means that there are defined methodologies on an industry-specific basis to set emissions reductions targets based on a temperature pathway to limit global warming to one and a half degrees Celsius in, in 2050. In order to set those science-based targets, they need information from the real economy, which CDP has been been pursuing for, for quite a number of years through our, our disclosure process. Other banks have put in place uh, investment policies or restrictions. For example, no new coal financing or accelerated investment in renewable energy or investing in industries that are compatible with a low-carbon world, based on kind of a forward-looking uh, finance model. A lot of instances, these banks are saying, "How can we use our balance sheet to facilitate a transition to a low-carbon economy?" And that's really what we're seeing.
0: The report also finds that a significant majority of banks and insurers are talking; they're they're interacting with their clients on climate-related issues. So the awareness seems to be there, but but the suggestion is that financial firms may not be taking their own advice. Why do you think that might be? I
1: think that the business opportunity is clearly there in terms of being able to provide innovative financing opportunities to address this systemic issue that we have in the environmental change. So that's been a relatively easy opportunity for front office bankers to really wrap their heads around and go out to their clients and and have this discussion. I think the more challenging one comes in the risk management side, which is to say, we've created these new products. Now, do they really present the traditional type of risk that we've accounted for? And we're just starting to see that risk management component say, what other types of risks should we be accounting for and how do we account for that? So I think it's really just a, a mismatch in terms of how the front office is. Behaving relative to the risk management from that perspective.
0: Most financial institutions have some sort of oversight at the board level for climate related issues. That's another of the notable findings in the Time for Green Finance report. But in CDP's view, boards could be more effective by focusing on what you call issues that really matter. Are the issues that rise to board level different from those down lower in the org chart? And in an ideal scenario, what would you have board members doing to be at their most effective?
1: There is a different level of scrutiny of these issues that happens at the board relative to the organizational operators. At the board level, my expectation is that we see board members advocating for policies and principles put in place by the financial institution to really commit the financial institution's strategy and tying it to both compensation but also performance to address environmental issues. Moving farther down the org chart, it's about the implementation aspect and what specific steps need to be taken to implement some of these changes that, that are directed by these policies and principles. I think one of the things that, that we're starting to see in the real economy is this movement most recently in the, among the oil majors, where we've had investors really institute proxy fights to say, we want board members who represent and these systemic issues. And so, for example, we saw engine number one very successfully put three climate-related board members on the Exxon board. That is where we start to see real systemic change from a principle and from a strategy perspective that can push down into the org chart.
0: You said earlier that you're thinking that part of the reason why maybe banks are moving slowly on the implementation side is that the regulations aren't in place yet. The report, the Time for Green Finance report, highlights that financial institutions will be among the first that will be called on to make mandatory disclosures in line with the Task Force on Climate-Related Disclosures, the TFCD. What will those disclosures involve? What's the timeline for them being required? And are the U.S. financials anywhere near ready for this requirement?
1: mandatory reporting is on the horizon in many jurisdictions and the SEC has certainly been been looking at that and put forth some very detailed consultations. We don't know what that is going to look like and the time horizon in which it will it will necessarily be released. That being said, from our perspective mandatory reporting is not going to impact our work because Mandatory reporting requirements are expected to be based on the recommendations of the TCFD and our disclosure implements those recommendations. And so that means the companies that have been responding are really well prepared for any future mandatory requirements to disclose along those TCFD recommendation lines. I would say it's important to watch this space and I would expect it to move very quickly based on the speed of discussions that we've seen in the UK and in the EU.
0: We'll certainly be keeping an eye on how this plays out and with so much at stake, I'm sure the rest of the industry will be watching closely as well. So Emily Krebs, Global Director for Capital Markets at CDP Worldwide, many thanks again for sharing your thoughts with us on the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: A few takeaways from the Time for Green Finance Report and the rest of our conversation with Emily Krebs from CDP Worldwide. First, one of the report's key conclusions Financial services is a high-carbon sector of the economy, not from its own operations, like, say, the mining industry, but from the operations of the companies being financed. Emily compares it to car makers, who enable emissions through the vehicles they sell. CDP's view is that by being providers of capital, financial services are likewise accountable. Banking is such a competitive business that any given financial institution may balk at the notion of cutting off good clients whose operations may be high-emitting. After all, said client can likely just cross the street to find a willing lender. But Emily says that at a time when customers seek out businesses with shared values, a number of financial firms are seeing green finance as a significant business opportunity. And finally, those early movers are putting in place low-carbon transition plans, and they're working to line up their portfolios with those plans. Some are using science to set emissions impact targets, while others are opting for internal policies or restrictions to guide their actions prioritizing renewable energy financing, for instance, as a way to use their balance sheet to downsize their carbon footprint. Thanks for listening to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please join us again next week for another conversation on an important topic for the financial services industry.